You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are uh, continuing in a series that we are calling Multiply, and each year I ask God for a, a foundation word for the year. Not necessarily, you know, what's the word for the year, but it's more so, uh, Lord, what is a word that we can b- build this year on? And, and I feel like God put on my, my heart the, the word multiply. And that was kind of back in November, mid-November, even late October. And, you know, at first it's like multiply let's go, right? That's a, that's, it feels like such a hype word. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Lord, thank you. Multiply. What all does that mean? And so I've just been praying about it. And a lot of times when I realize uh, that it is confirmed a word from the Lord is whenever it is attached with or quickly followed by responsibility for me. Meaning a lot of times people like to claim, well, God said this is going to happen, but if there's no uh, responsibility on my shoulders to do my part, then it's not really a partnership that God is looking for. God wants to say many times in the Old Testament, New Testament, he said, hey, this is going to happen, and now here's what you can do in the waiting. Many times God always had a responsibility or a job for people to do in the waiting. Last week we talked about, in part number one, we talked about devotion. How if God's going to multiply things in our lives, it starts with the heart issue, and it starts with us being devoted in here, devoted to him, devoted to his kingdom, and saying, Lord, we're going to follow you no matter what. That was week number one. And so uh, part number two, today we're going to talk about desperation. Everyone say desperation. desperation. Come on, say it like you mean it. Desperation. desperation. The thing about being desperate whenever you are a Christian is sometimes we like to think that if I'm desperate for God to move, it means that I have a lack of faith. And maybe people wouldn't necessarily publicly say that, but that is the pressure that we feel. Well, am I not confident? If I'm desperate, am I not confident in God's word? Does that mean I don't have confidence? If I'm so desperate that I'm acting a certain way or praying a certain way or just overly emotional about this issue, does that mean that I don't have confidence in God's word? Is that showing a lack of faith? But I'm going to show us today through a story from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so if you brought your Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to show us from a story today where we look at how devotion, or desperation rather, desperation is something that honestly moves the heart of God. It moves the heart of God. And I'm going to show you this. In fact, if you're taking notes, point number one is this, is let desperation lead you to prayer. Let desperation lead you to prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and in chapter 2, there's a woman named Hannah who is desperate for God to give her a child. She's desperate, and, and she is longing, and she is distraught, and this is the story that we're going to see. But Hannah is desperate for a baby, and uh, to give you some context, she's living in a place called Shiloh, and this is before there was a temple. So they had a tabernacle set up, and Eli was the priest who oversaw the tabernacle. So I'll give you some context here. Let's go to 1 Samuel 1, starting in verse 9. It says this, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. There came a moment in Hannah's life here, and this is what we're seeing, where she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Everyone ever been there before? 
Like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this season. I've been in this season for too long. And this is where Hannah is. She's sick and tired of being sick and tired. And she has become basically almost an uninvited guest to the tabernacle, if anything, just on her perspective, for an opportunity to meet with, to pray to, and to seek after God, who is the only one that could help her in this situation. And she is constantly showing up to the tabernacle. At this point, she is desperate. But what I love is this. She didn't let her desperation lead her to foolish actions that were outside of God's will. See, oftentimes this is where desperation can be a negative thing. And we see this in scripture. You can see this in the life of Abraham and and Sarah. They were so desperate for something to happen. We can become so desperate for God to move that instead of trusting him, seeking him, waiting patiently for his timing and not our own, we take matters into our own hands. And oftentimes we outpace God and we get outside of God's will. And we wonder why aren't things working out the way we thought they were going to work out? Why isn't God moving? Sometimes we try to take matters into our own hands out of desperation, but in doing so, we actually begin into sinful behavior because God's saying, not yet, not yet. And this is what we're going to see in this story. She was desperate, but she didn't let desperation take her to a foolish actions. She would not be moved until the God of heaven responded with an answer. And so let's continue reading in verse 12. It says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Here's what's happening, right? Eli is looking, and by this time, Eli is, is not really a righteous priest. He's been very much corrupt, and he's, he's far from God. And then when Hannah comes, and she's crying out to God, and her mouth is moving, and there's no words coming out, he's at this point where he's watching, and he doesn't have a heart of compassion for what's going on. He's missing the big picture. But I don't know about you, but I can relate to Hannah in this situation. Have you ever been in a situation where you're so desperate for a miracle that all you can offer God is a silent prayer. Have you ever been to that place? Maybe you had someone that's on their deathbed. Maybe you've been going through something. Maybe you've been believing for something. And you get to a point where you're literally on your knees or on your face and you're trying to pray, but you've just run out of words. You've run out of tears. You've run out of words. You don't know what to say. And you're just seeking after God with desperation in your heart, not for something selfish, but for something that you know you see in God's word, but you haven't seen it come to pass in the natural just yet. This is where Hannah is. She's desperate. She's desperate. Hannah is crying out to God. Eli sees her. He walks up to her, and what does he say? Go home. Go home. You're drunk. Only people that have been drinking act like this. You're crying. You're snotting all over yourself. You're making a scene. Stop it and go home. And here's how she responds in verse 15. She says, oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. What does she say? She says, no, hear my heart. I'm not drunk. I'm desperate. I may be acting strange, and I know this looks weird, and I know I'm, I'm not trying to cause attention to myself. I'm not drunk. I'm just desperate. And I think it's not just that God hears our prayers when we pray in agreement to his word. He does hear our prayers when we pray in agreement with his word. But I think he also hears our desperation. I think there's something about her coming and, and, and crying out to God in such a way where the desperation of her heart is overflowing, that it moves the heart of God. And I think if we're not careful, we become casual and comfortable in our prayers and we lose our faithful desperation for God to move. And here's what happens. We fall into these soft prayers. 
God, just, hey, just bless them today. Help us have a good day. You know, uh, you know keep us safe. Bless this food. And all these soft prayers, are those bad prayers? No. But I think sometimes God is looking for someone with desperation, faithful desperation in here, a fire in here to say, I'm willing to pray with passion for the things that God has for my life. And here's where we see that. I think there's something about a righteous person praying a desperate prayer that moves the heart of God. And we see this in James 5, verse 16. It says this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Not the casual prayer, not the half-hearted prayer. The fervent prayer is effective. I saw this quote from a commentator and he said it this way. He said, much of our prayer is not effective simply because it is not fervent. It is offered with a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. We're asking God to care about something that we care little about. Why? It shows in my prayer. I'll give you an example. Don't feel sorry for me, but I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, okay? <laughs> we lost last night, all right? But for three and a half hours, I was stressed and sweating and yelling and crying and laughing and all of the things. Why? Because something was dear to my heart. I've been a Packers fan as long as I can remember. But how often do we approach our prayer time with zero passion in our heart? Yet we expect God to care about things that we ourselves obviously don't even care that much about. Can I tell you, I had to, like, it's, it would be easy for me to pray passionately about the Packers. Why? It's a sports team. They don't know my name, right? They don't care about me. But how often do we approach important things daily things even, life and death situations with casual prayers. It says the fervent prayer is effective. Effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must persuade God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things that he is fervent for. Am I passionate about the things that he's passionate for? Am I praying for the things that he's hoping for, willing for. He wants to see done in his kids' lives. Am I praying about those things with the same passion that he has for us? That's where I need to align myself. Which is what we have to remember. In this time, for Hannah, a woman who could not get pregnant was seen as being cursed by God. Cursed by God. So she lived under constant public shame and something she cannot hide. Everyone knows. All of the neighbors know. All of the family knows. She cannot hide this, and people are assuming she has done something wrong. She is cursed by God, and that's why she cannot have a baby. Think of all the baby showers Hannah had to attend and look happy when everyone else was getting their blessing that she was so desperate for. She couldn't. Was it because she was living in sin? Not that we see. And after years of praying... It was no longer a shallow prayer in her heart. It was a desperate prayer. Lord, we're running out of time. Please, Lord, a desperate prayer from the depths of her spirit that she could bring to God as an offering to say, Lord, please help. Please move. Point number two is this. Let the word of God move you. Let the word of God move you. 
seeing the story, here she is, she's crying out and she's explaining, look, I'm not drunk, I'm just desperate. And here's Eli, even though he has been corrupt and he is far from God, even as the priest, he blesses her in response to hearing her side of the story. Now he understands the situation. And here's what we see in 1 Samuel uh, 1 verse 17. It says, in that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Stop here for a second. Did she receive a baby instantly, miraculously in her hands? No. How could she get up, go home, and now have an appetite and was no longer sad? Interesting. She didn't receive her promise, but she received a word from the Lord. And what happened? Her desperation had hope again. This is what happened. Her desperation had hope again. Here's what I mean. I'll compare it to this. There's a, there's a term, and I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, but it's called hydrotropism. Hydrotropism. It means this. It's for plants. It's the directional growth of plant roots toward mo- moisture in response to the stimulus of water. Meaning this, there are certain plants whose roots can sense the moisture in the water, or sense moisture in water in the soil, and it will actively grow towards it. So it'll be planted here, but the water source will be over here, or the ground is wet over here. And rather than growing deep roots, it will begin to grow sideways roots to try and reach the moisture that it can sense in the soil. And I think oftentimes, I think in this situation, this is prophetic. Because in, for a plant, the roots sense the water, it begins to grow. And if it doesn't get to the water, if it doesn't sense the water, it will just shrivel up and die right where it's at. And I think Hannah becomes a prophetic example for us today, meaning this. The roots of the promise of God were dry in her heart. She was about to give up, saying, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. It was dry in her heart. She was ready to give up. But then Eli comes and he gives her a word, speaking on behalf of God to her, a word from the Lord, and her spirit could sense the living water in the soil of the spiritual realm, and she had reason to hope again. And she had reason to believe again. She had reason to move again, even willing to leave the tabernacle to go home and eat and not be sad anymore. What was it? Nothing. She didn't physically, nothing changed, but spiritually, something changed. Because the word of the Lord, he speaking on behalf of God, was that spiritual living water in the spiritual realm. And that promise that was in here of, I want a child, I want a baby, I'm hoping for something. Now those roots begin to grow towards that living water. I'm going I'm I'm to go after it even more now. I'm going to continue and go after it. And I'm going to believe that it's going to happen. And in doing so, receive that spiritual living water for that promise to produce fruit. It freed her from her pain, from her sadness, and from a seemingly unanswered prayer at the time. This is why... Receiving a word from the Lord is so important, and I would say this. This is why when you don't feel like reading your Bible, it's the best time to read your Bible. This is why when you, feel, you don't feel like going to church, it's the best time to go to church. Why? Because a word from the Lord reminds you that there's living water in the spiritual soil. There's living water in this spiritual soil. I have a reason to continue to hope to continue to pray, to continue to move forward. I have a reason because my Savior is not done with me yet. My Savior hasn't abandoned that promise in my life yet. I have reason. And what did it take, though? A reminder from the word of the Lord. And a word from the Lord can give you the hope and your desperation to continue moving. I'm going to keep going. Just at the chance, even, 
of accessing the living water that I know is available to me. But she had to be reminded of it from someone to speak a word from the Lord. So the next time you think, man, I'm just not feeling it today. We had a really rough week. I just don't know if we're going to make it to church. When you have a rough week, it's the best time to be in church. (laughs) It's the best time to get in your Bible because one word from God can give you the hope that nothing else can give you. And it'll give you hope for tomorrow. Point number three is this. Trust God with your promise. Trust God with your promise. And this is, this is crucial. Because in the story of Hannah, Hander, uh, Hannah understood the big picture. She could see God's perspective. She understood how things are going to work when I walk in agreement to God. She understood that if God will give me, grant me this answer that I'm praying for, her response was, Lord, I'm gonna give it back to you. Lord, if you give me this child, I'll give the child back to you. And I think for us, we need to have the same perspective. Lord, if you answer this prayer, I'm gonna return it to you. I'm gonna sow it to you. I'm gonna do everything with it for you. In fact, this is the prayer that Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel 1 verse 11. It says, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Lord, if you move, I'll give him back to you. What was her response? Lord, I, I understand it's all from you. I understand it's all for you. And so no matter what you do in my life, Lord, my entire desire and her posture is, Lord, I'm just gonna lay it at your feet because you deserve it. You deserve the return. And she sows her son, Samuel, who eventually she would have and name him Samuel. She sows him back into the tabernacle of God. And he is raised in the presence of God, knowing God's voice from a very young age. I'm gonna tell you church on this child dedication Sunday, I think this story is so appropriate because as we dedicate our children to the Lord, here is the promise that we are making to God. It's the promise of what Hannah is saying here, but we're expounding upon it slightly to say this, Lord, you've blessed us with this next generation. You've blessed us with these kids and we will give them back to you. We will raise them in church where they will be in the presence of you and they will hear your voice from a very young age. And as I've been saying for several months now, we will raise our kids in revival. Amen, somebody. We will raise our kids in revival. We will raise them in a, in a church body that knows the presence of God, where they know God's voice from a young age. This is what Hannah's doing. She understands the big picture and she says, I will trust you, Lord, with the promise. Not just myself to go make it happen or, or do that. No, I, Lord, I'm trusting you. So Hannah gives birth to a son. She names him Samuel. He becomes a mighty voice for the nation of Israel and he would give them their first king, King Saul. 40 years later, he would be used by God to give them the prototype of Christ in the Old Testament, which is King David. All the while, Hannah got to see her son be used by God for mighty things. And you can guarantee that she was so thankful that she trusted God with her promise and not just herself. Lord, I'm trusting you. I will give him back to you. It's all for you. She understood the big picture. So the question is this, in your, in your situation, in your life, will you trust God with your promise? Lord, we're believing for a child. Lord, we will give them back to you. Lord, I'm believing for that promotion. And if I get it, Lord, I promise you, I'm gonna give it back to you. It's all for you. It's all from you. Lord, 
I'm praying for a spouse. And if you would open the right door at the right time, Lord, I will serve them in honor to you and serve your church. Lord, I'm praying for that opportunity. I will give it back to you. Lord, I'm praying for that scholarship for college. Lord, if you would give it to me, I would do everything for your glory and not for my own. Am I willing to trust God? Hannah understood this. Her promise was delayed, but it was not denied. And that's point number four. Delays are not denials. The thing about desperation in your faith is that it moves you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Too many times people, they walk away from God because they prayed one half-hearted prayer and God didn't show up the way they thought that God should show up. And so they turn their back on God and they walk away and they wonder, why didn't God move? There's something about the persistence of saying, Lord, I know it hasn't happened yet, but I trust you. I think sometimes God is looking for his kids to say, Lord, we trust you. Heavenly Father, we trust you. I don't know about you, but being a dad myself, there's something about knowing that my son Gavin trusts my decision that does my heart good. That means he knows my heart. That means that we're close. And I think oftentimes it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. What we see in scripture is that nothing of significance is birthed in the earth without struggle. Nothing of significance is birthed in the earth without struggle. That's why when you find yourself desperate in a spiritual struggle, you gotta keep on fighting because you have no idea what might be birthed from it. What if Hannah would have stopped? What if Hannah would have gave up? What if Hannah would have said, well, it hasn't happened in years. Why do I keep going and praying for the same thing? Why am I saying the same prayer? Why am I pleading for the same situation? If God hasn't moved yet, is he gonna move tomorrow? Is he, why would he move today if he hasn't moved back then? There's something about continuance in the spiritual realm because you have no idea what could be birthed from the situation. Hannah was not the first nor the last woman in scripture to struggle with infertility. Abraham and Sarah struggled with infertility. Isaac and Jacob, or Isaac and Rebecca struggled with infertility. Jacob and Rachel struggled with infertility. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, struggled with infertility. Here's Hannah, the mother of Samuel, struggled with infertility. But here's what's interesting. It's interesting to note that scripture says it was the Lord who closed Hannah's womb. Who gave her the answer? The Lord. He gave the answer, but look at 1 Samuel 1, 5. The Lord had closed her womb. Interesting. You see, sometimes we think, well, if God didn't answer right now, then it must not be. But delays are not denials. Sometimes God closes things in one season in preparation to open them for another season. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His strategies, his perspective, it is high above. And sometimes I think God wants to see how we handle delays. How do we handle delays? What's the easiest way to spoil a child is to give them anything they ever want right away. I don't know about you, but I've been around some spoiled adults that I don't want to be around, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Sometimes he wants to see how will we handle delays. How do you react when someone else receives their blessing while you're waiting on yours? Are you offended or can you rejoice with them in faith? I'm gonna tell you something. When you've been standing and you've been believing God for something in your life, and it's been years and it's been years, you go through seasons and you see other people getting their answer and you're wondering what is going on. And if you have to fight this moment 
of turning your back on God to say, God, why them and not me? Do I not deserve the promise that, that I've been asking for? Why do they get to experience the goodness and not me? And you've got to fight this temptation, if you will, to get upset with God and say, Lord, I don't get it. Why does everyone else get their pay raise and not me, their promotion, their spouse, their baby, their house, not me. But let me tell you something. We often don't give God the deep things of our heart until we've gone through hell, feel like giving up and find ourselves on our knees crying out to God in desperation. Let me say that again. We often don't give God the deep things of our heart until we've gone through some stuff that gets us on our knees praying in desperation. And God is saying, will you trust me with the deep things of your life, with everything of your life? There's a reason God allows us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because there's something about the darkness that allows the light to shine even brighter. Have you ever lost power at your house and it's nighttime, right? What do you do? You go into a room, you could be without power for, for hours. You go into the room, what immediately you do? You hit the light switch, right? Oh man, every time, every time. I don't know about you, but I've been through a few ice storms in, in my life where we've gone without power for a few days. And in our house, we have many flashlights available in every room. Why? Because I've been there when I didn't have enough flashlights and I've been there when I didn't have enough light and I've been there when I've needed something. All my vehicles, they have flashlights in them because I've been there when I said, man, I just wish I had, not my phone, I need a real flashlight, right? You don't appreciate the light sometimes until you've been in the darkness. I think sometimes we go through things and God's saying, if you draw close to me in the dark seasons, you will understand my light in a fresh way. And then you realize I can't live without the light. Because when you've gone through the darkness and you've gone through the valley of the shadow of death, you understand the light is too good to go back to a dark place or to stay in a dark place when God invites you to go through the valley of the shadow of death, not to live there or stay there. He's saying, walk with me. Watch the light that I will bring to this situation. And then once you've been in the light, you realize I don't wanna go anywhere else. Take heart. Delays are not denials. You may have been praying for something in your life today and you're wondering, God, where are you? Don't stop praying. Don't, stop give, don't, don't give up. Don't stop hoping. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop coming to church. Seek him, draw him close and you will learn to appreciate the light even in dark seasons. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow, I love this, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are you gonna have hope that, that, that God's gonna move in your life, that God's gonna multiply good things in your life, that his will is gonna be multiplied in your life? The only source of hope is in God and you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Take heart, delays are not denials. Today, I want to remind you that God sent me here today for you to be in this service to remind you that there is spiritual living water in the soil. It's there. You have a reason today to keep moving. You have a reason today to keep trusting. You have a reason today to keep seeking God. If anything, to reach towards and let those roots of those promises that God's put in your heart to reach towards that living water 
if just for a taste, because one taste of living water changes everything. So today, as we talk about multiplication, let me remind you, you might find yourself in a desperate situation for God to multiply something in your life. Desperation doesn't mean you have, you have a lack of faith. It actually can be the catalyst for a great move of God. The life of Jesus is filled with desperate people who cried out his name, who crawled through crowds to touch just a piece of his clothing. They were desperate and God answered. Let it lead you to prayer, fervent prayer, not casual prayer. Let God's word move you. Remember, when you don't feel like reading your Bible or going to church, it's the best time to do so. Trust God with your promise. When he answers, give it back to him. It's all his anyway. Have hope. Delays are not denials. You may have been waiting years, but there's still hope for you, church. There's still hope for you, no matter your situation. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word gives us hope because it's stories like Hannah's story that we can relate to, and we can see the principles of the spiritual realm, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that today through this story, Lord, would you give us hope. I pray, Holy Spirit, as our helper, would you help us pray passionate prayers, fervent prayers, effective prayers, Lord, for those things that we've been believing God for, we've been leaving you for for so long that we've become casual with. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you light a fresh fire in us today? Would you fan into flame that fire on the inside of us, Lord, to believe you for more, to trust your word like never before, and to walk closely with you in agreement with your word, to see all that you have. And I pray most importantly that your will be done in our lives on this earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.